Kozlov is a tech industry veteran, writer, speaker, and elder care advocate. She's the founder of Aging and Health Technology Watch, a knowledge platform for the aged tech sector. In her previous career, Lori spent many years in the tech industry, including nine years at Forrester Research. Hi, Lori. Thanks so much for joining our podcast. Glad to be here. Thanks so much. I've read so much uh, about your work um, on your website. And uh, I think the first question that I have is, you know, as an industry analyst for the aging and aging tech field for the last 13 years, you know, I would really love to hear some of the challenges and insights you've gathered along the way. So, you know, what would you say is uh, the biggest sort of industry shift in the age tech field uh, that you've seen in the last 13 years? Probably the biggest deal is the, uh, well, two things. One is the growth of high-speed internet access um, of older adults. And the other would be the introduction of voice technology, which actually uh, was the first significant technology change that enabled older adults to ask questions without typing. Uh, they were able to use their voice. And I think that was a breakthrough. That was 20, really uh, a big deal starting in 2018. And uh, and then you add to that the growth in high-speed internet access, which is what you need in order to use voice technology. So that's been a big change and uh, progress forward for older adults. And in addition to that, the oldest baby boomer having turned 76 uh, in uh, this past year, um, uh, investors, and uh, tech companies are now uh, much more interested in this market than they might have been five or 10 years ago. Fantastic. Um, so I, I guess uh, I want to kind of dig a little bit deeper um, on the sort of uh, voice recognition front. So the, the biggest uh, innovation that uh, us sort of lay people know about is Siri, which is with the um, Apple iPhone. Um, you know, could you sort of uh, discuss a little bit about how, how that as an innovation of Apple um, has been tailored or poss- uh, possibly customized for the, uh, the above 50 population? Uh, well, I wasn't talking about Siri at all. Okay. Siri is actually late to the party in terms of being a very useful technology. It was not well, well adopted for a long time, and then it got redone. And for the iPhone user, um, it's very useful. But what I was talking about was the introduction of smart speakers, and um, and particularly the uh, Amazon Alexa product, which was um, the first smart speaker that received widespread uh, widespread adoption, and that was basically enabling voice interfaces in the home through a high speed internet connection to be able to play music and. Uh, you know, hear stories read and communicate with um, family members. So I think that was the breakthrough. Siri was, a for a while there, was actually not much of a breakthrough at all. Mostly people were complaining about it because they've said it didn't work right. Um, but it, it is what it is now it, for, for the mobile user who is a young person with a phone. The older adult might not be so mobile, and they may be actually using uh, uh, happier with a smart speaker in the home. And Laurie, on on that note, I would like to ask you a little more about these two general trends that you mentioned that have really kind of paved the way for the uh, the general um, industry shift. Um, with the access to broadband or with more of the government support to offer broadband to more homes okay. and and also the the uh, advancement and of some of the voice recognition related technologies uh, what what about the consumer side in terms of their adoption of internet internet and their adoption of these technology 
And specifically, do you think that the aging population, for those that didn't have it before, how many of those didn't have it because they don't want it out of privacy concerns or other kind of personal reason concerns? And how many of those people general, you know, percentage wise are not having it because they can't afford it? Well, high-speed internet access is actually now being discount, discounted uh, for older adults down to about $30 a month, I thought was the rate, um, to have uh, high-speed internet access in your house. So uh, it's it's dropped in terms of price. Um, there may be even more subsidies than that that would make it even cheaper. I'm not sure. Um, now, that's the internet. Uh, the internet, of course, is what enables people to FaceTime with their grandchildren to be able to search for information uh, about services that they might need to participate in group chats uh, with people who have like-minded interests and do all kinds of things that are very difficult to do with just a smartphone. So that was part of the uh, breakthrough of high-speed internet access to the house. And it, it enables pretty much everything, including access to health tech which became a really big deal during the pandemic. And one of the reasons why we saw greater adoption of technology by older adults is when the first vaccine signup occurred, um, it turns out you had to sign up online. And older adults were the people who most needed to sign up for vaccines. And the problem with it only being online was uh, they didn't have access to that process. And that was a big embarrassment for pretty much everybody, the government, uh, people who serve older adults, and so that triggered a desire to actually expand uh, Internet access for older people, whether it's through subsidies or um, just uh, encouragement, marketing, um, you sort of name it. Uh, everything has been tried to there are still people who don't want to go online, who uh, want to depend on their children to do it for them. Um, <coughs> I think that's going to dwindle. Um, because what you see probably where you live is also the case is the number of nearby pharmacies is shrinking. Um, the number of other types of services, depending on where you live, they're shrinking too. They're disappearing and uh, including bank branches. And so with all of that happening, the pressure to do something online, including online banking, online purchasing of goods for your house, shopping, uh, interaction with your families. It all really requires a high-speed uh, internet connection in the home, or you could walk around with your phone, like so many young people do, uh, falling into manholes. And uh... <laughs> God bless them. It's <laughs> a great video of that. But anyway, let it go. <laughs> so, so if I can summarize, it sounds like there are. Not only that there are more access and more availabilities of these um, tech-enabled services and tech-driven, internet-driven type of service transformation to bring everything more online, and especially the services that are created with the aging population's needs in mind, but also the older generation from the consumer demand side as well, they are having more and more interest and curiosity and sometimes you know, lack of option has forced them to adopt and learn and adapt um, to the latest uh, status quo. Is is that fair to say those two are a confluence of influences that have driven to a higher adoption of internet, of smartphones and technology in general? Yep, 
That's uh, absolutely true. And one of the things that was a big trigger was the growth in telehealth during the pandemic and the ability to have a telehealth interaction with your doctor, which the doctor actually wanted because the doctor is reimbursed for those interactions. Uh, you don't have to be in the office for that. And it has persisted past the pandemic to uh, a blend of interaction types for older adults, which is some can be done in person if you need to, but if you have a quick check-in to see what your status is, it can be done um, through uh, telehealth, which you could do with a smartphone, you could do with a, a screen on a computer, you have lots of ways to do it, but it helps to have internet in the home so you don't have to go somewhere else uh, mm-hmm. to do it. So telehealth really was kind of like the catalyst. It was that- a catalyst, yes that ignited this entire adoption, massive adoption among the aging population in the U.S. um, especially. So, and it sounds like banking, financial sectors, and maybe insurance and some of the other sectors are following suite. What would you see, you know, looking at the landscape, which part um, right now of the traditional services and products and, and activities have not really transformed online in order for older adults to uh, to tap into this digital landscape? Well, if you go to a shopping mall or you go to a supermarket, you'll see there's still many older adults who prefer to shop in person. Um, and now that, um, you know, the restrictions have been lifted, they're all out there. They want to be out there. So that is, there are still some things people want to do in person, if they can. Um, otherwise, uh, it's more convenient uh, to do things online. And plus, there's there's a number of people who are suspicious of some types of interactions online. They think their data is going to be stolen. They think that Google is watching them. And actually, it's absolutely true that Google is watching you. As, as many people know, you can do a search query uh, with Google, and then a few minutes later, you'll get an email with an ad that is about what you just searched for. So you know they're well integrated in terms of their technologies. And you also know that it is part of their business model to sell your information to others who might also profit from it. So seniors are totally justified in the fact that the internet represents a privacy invasion and that in order to avoid that, you have to do a lot of work. And most people will not do all the work to protect their uh, privacy. And I think as time wears on, just like young people really don't care, you know, whatever, you know, Google, Google takes my data. I don't care. Um, But the older population pretty soon, they won't care either because it's a trade-off. You know, the trade-off is between the access you want to what you need and um, the difficulty of restricting that access um, through a whole series of measures of of shutting it down. And I know Apple likes to tell everybody that it's completely private and secure and we we watch out for you. (laughs) But then you're sitting on your iPhone and what do you do? You you start up Google. Oh, well. (laughs) Or you you know. Uh, so yeah, it's a trade-off. It's a trade-off. So, would you um, might you have some kind of insights in terms of what has created this high barrier or this high level or of need to protect the privacy among the aging population? And I mean, I know why the younger generation don't care because they grew up, you know, in this um, digital world and they think it's, they don't really have this level of um, strong need or, or or interest in protecting their privacy because I think privacy probably 
for them means very different things. But for the older generation, what what about like privacy, especially in the context of the internet space that really made them become so cautious of it, more cautious of it than, you know, the the younger generation? Well, first of all, there's a number of very well-publicized scams of older adults. And mm-hmm. uh, the um, scamming of older adults, uh, you know, stealing their information, uh, imitating someone else in an interaction like a, a family member, um, trying to get their banking information out of them, uh, trying to do all kinds of... I mean, the scams are super well-publicized uh, If you um, when they occur, the really big ones. Um, and so older adults are afraid uh, of being scammed. And the internet is the perfect place to scam an older adult. That and the telephone. Telephone's a real winner also. Um, so uh, you have to... Be, and uh, many older adults live by themselves. Um, I think it's 46% of women age 75 plus in the United States live alone. So you got all these people who live by themselves. Uh, they're getting older. They're lonely, depending on where they live and how much social life they have and how mobile they are. And so they are candidates for uh, someone um, taking advantage of them. And that's, I think, contributed to the hesitancy and the fear of doing a lot of activities online. But as I said, all things are trade-offs. Um, and um, uh, it's, it pays, it really does pay for older adults to become more suspicious <laughs> and more focused on protecting their privacy and their information and really work on, the, on their passwords. Don't use the same one for everything. And, uh, you know, do the smart things uh, to protect yeah. your privacy. On that note, how much of the responsibility should fall on the users themselves versus on the big tech firms that are out there providing the infrastructure? Well, the big tech firms can try to provide infrastructure and help to you to protect yourselves. But if you override it and go put the same password onto everything, even if they warn you, you've already used this password in five other locations, which I got a warning recently on that. <laughs> you've already used this password in five other locations. Um, you know, it's up to us to protect ourselves. And, uh, you know, my feeling is if you protect your bank account, your money, if you're really good at protecting your money, most of the other things don't really aren't that important. Um, protecting your social media account and all the other kinds of stuff fine, whatever, as long as you maintain a certain level of suspicion about anybody approaching you for something like money. Mm -hmm. And could there be, well, as we age, especially, you know, when we're talking about the older adults, I think we're broadly generalizing people. And I think, you know, like, in, in my mind, like older probably means more like, you know, 75 plus. But then for more younger generation, older means probably, you know, even after you're 50, right? Older probably means for the teenagers, their parents. So so I think, you know, for people between the age of 50 to 65 versus those between the age of 65 to 75 or even older, I think they have different sense or different capabilities to to handle, to understand what it means. What does it mean to set up a strong password? Or how do you even reset it after a certain while? Or how do you even find your password? Well, like this whole basic level of education were not made available for the 75 plus year uh, year old, that demographic of 
really like beyond the boomer generation, then for them, would you say that it is still their responsibility to protect themselves when they were just completely, you know, unaware or or not, um, like for them to learn how to do this and, and carry the responsibilities of protecting their own privacy? I would think that um, it's a bit unfair in mm-hmm. terms of um, in terms of having the shoulder, having them to shoulder all of the the, the crazy uncertain tech digital world that they were not born into then yeah then shouldn't we kind of well what technology does is technology is supposed to make our lives better Mm -hmm. and is supposed to do things good for the humans right i think that that would be the general philosophy that most people carry not everyone not everybody but if that's the assumption then shouldn't technology really try to do something that would be um, make life a little better for the generation that seems like has been forgotten? Well, um, there are many efforts to train older adults in the use of technology. The biggest problem with this whole situation is today's technology is not the same as tomorrow's technology. And so you can get yourself all nicely trained and somebody will tell you that you really need to learn about a technology that was not even around three years ago. Um, Some of the better examples of that might be um, virtual reality technologies. Um, There are, if you can believe it, there's companies that are focused on virtual reality for older adults who live in senior living communities. And, uh, you know, many, many reasons for that and and things that they offer. But, you know, an older adult might say, you know, I'm 80. Uh, I don't really know anything about what this is. Why do I want to put on these glasses and have this experience, why, what, what, why does that make any sense for me? They do it as a form of entertainment, um, but that's just one example. There's a lot of technologies. Uh, Twitter is another great example of a technology that, you know, 10 years ago, uh, well, first of all, most older adults know nothing about Twitter. They're not sitting, the 75 plus population is not out there tweeting. Um, on the other hand, Twitter is a major influencer of phenomenon in the United States. And so pretty soon you might want to learn about it at least and know what it is. Facebook is the same thing. You don't have to use Facebook in order to communicate with your family members. On the other hand, if all your family members are on it or Instagram or something like that, uh, you might be missing out on something. And that's the fear of missing out is the re- is, is one of the motivators for all uh, efforts to teach oneself a technology. It's a fear of missing out. And grandchildren are key players in this. Uh, grandchildren of older adults. They want... Uh, their grandmother or their grandfather to be able to see the um, soccer game or the school event or whatever it is that it can only be seen if you're online or you could watch it streaming or something like that. Um, so I think there's a lot of pressures and the pressures are are not just on the people below the age of 75. They're on pretty much everybody. Uh, you, There are people who say, I will not do have anything to do with it, but they must not be getting all that pressure. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I would even say that for those people that are not getting a lot of pressure, they might be lacking a lot of social connectivity and right. needs. And sometimes you might need to consider or pay a little more attention about how, what technology can do in terms of improving their mental health and, and, and that regarded aspect of things. So I do think that it seems like we're now living in a web that is unable for any individual to perform it's it's almost 
impossible to untangle it from this web. Yes. Uh, and uh, and the internet has become, it's funny, when it was first invented and popularized, um, it was it really seemed like the greatest things to slice bread. And for many years, we kept discovering new things on it. Isn't this wonderful? You can do online shopping. Isn't this wonderful that instead of having to drive somewhere, uh, you can find out the directions before you get in the car and go. You, all these things that you can do were just like each, each one was introduced, including voice. And at the time that was introduced, it was amazing. Wow, this is amazing. And then Oh, now it's a little bit much. And then it becomes invasive. And then pretty soon you say, yuck. <laughs> I don't really want to do this anymore. Uh, and uh, I feel that way about Instagram. I have relatives that are on Instagram posting their pictures. And every time I think I get on there and I see all the pictures that they posted, and every time I say, this is such a stupid tool. Why am I on this? Why am I looking at these pictures? Especially my, my, a couple of my relatives only like to post what they're eating or the bottle of wine that they have in front of them at the table. And I, I say to myself, how stupid am I that I'm actually looking at this stuff? But these are people who live very far away from where I do. And I say, well, I'm not in touch with them all that much, but I guess it's better than nothing. And that's really what it's all boiled down to. A lot of this online technology is, you can And say, that kind of really, you know, made me think about this social, especially social technology, as we were just talking about, right? Because social technology was started by, you know, Mark Zuckerberg while he was, you know, in college or some other young folks, you know, that really embodies the need of that generation's social behaviors and activities and psychology. So the entire social technology landscape is not created for the, the older generation. No. Nope. So in your opinion, what do you think the older generation, the boomer generation or the boomer beyond generation, what kind of social um, elements do they need that are so different from the existing technology that would, would require a new landscape or even a new platform to capture their needs specifically? Well, there are uh, organizations that are attempting to create platforms for the older adult um, uh, one of them is called the Age of Majority, which is intended to be for the 50-plus uh, population. Uh, they're attempting to create environments, and they're not the only one. I've, I've heard from probably three or four in the past year. They're attempting to create environments that are focused on the needs of a certain collection of people um, and uh, not muck it up with whatever else is out there, you know, sort of create a, a walled garden uh, for a certain collection of people. Uh, I, you know, I, and generally speaking, I wish them luck because um, the problem with this type of thing is, you know, you end up with a whole series of these niche things and they work out for a while, but the companies expect to be able to make money at it. And so that one, one thing leads to the other. And one of these niche things starts to have more advertising because it needs to make money or it has a membership fee or it has an upgraded membership fee. And pretty soon you're now talking about, um, it costs more to participate. And then you say, well, I'm too busy to participate and I'll just drop out. And that's the cycle of, of technology adoption in general. And the only really change, the way that changes is if the technology company reinvents itself. And I think Facebook is actually kind of a hilarious example right now because um, the younger population doesn't like it anymore, right? And uh and they maybe like Instagram better, but they also like TikTok better and they like Reddit better and they like all these other things better. And so what do they do? They decide we're going to create a virtual reality environment for game players. 
which is what this whole meta thing is all about, right? We see the future and Facebook isn't it. Uh, meanwhile, the older people are still on Facebook. <laughs> uh, so it, it's just kind of hilarious. So is it fair to say that the reason why a lot of like older adult specific social environment doesn't work is because they didn't find the right monetization strategy to to target and focus on serving this demographic well. That is true. And actually, when you think about Netflix is a good example of this, right? So Netflix has a, had a subscription fee that was very low priced, right? And uh, lots of people signed up to be members of Netflix and to get to watch streaming movies, right? And then along comes Amazon with Amazon Prime. And uh, along comes Hulu and along comes all these other things that are a way to see the same movies streaming from a lot of different sources. So what has Netflix got to do now? Netflix has to reinvent itself in order to be able to continue to charge and, and sustain subscribers. And so they're coming up with new, more models with advertising. <laughs> in addition to your subscription fee, you're also going to get to see uh, paid advertising because that's how we can fund our, our growth. Um, and uh, everybody online is a victim of the Amazon effect. I guess that's my final thought on this is Amazon will get you in the end um, because, um, and it is called, some people call it the Amazon effect. They study the market. They see what's going on in it. They observe, they try, they dabble, and then they take, <laughs> they, sweep, <laughs> they sweep the competition away. Yeah. And uh, they're doing that now with voice and older adults. They've got this uh, Alexa for senior living and they've got Alexa together. And they're, they're doing a lot of trial and error right now on how to basically serve older adults with voice technology. Uh, but they do this kind of thing all the time, you know, in pharmacy and um, uh, healthcare, a lot of experiments. They just bought one medical. Um, and whenever they do that, by the way, Everyone else in the industry that of the thing that they acquired starts to go, ah! <laughs> Amazon's coming for us. <laughs> Our business is going to fail. It's going to be terrible. Uh, and then the really big guys like Walmart and Walgreens and Target and everybody else looks around and says, nah, 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 we can do this. <laughs> so that that's, I think, the great thing about the uh, competition among the big boys. For the little boys, little companies out there and girls, um, you know, there's a problem. Amazon is a, is a, is out to get you. They, you're better off to be acquired by Amazon, but that's, of course, like, you know, a less than 1% chance amount on the competition. And if they do decide to acquire the leader in this space, then everyone else might as well just, like, you know, bow out and <laughs> raise a white flag. Yeah. Well, it's the cycle of technology evolution. Yeah. That's always yeah. so. It's not a surprise, but uh, it is pretty funny now that, you know, 20 years ago, we'd have probably not said there was such a thing as the Amazon effect, but that's not true. The way it is right now. So Sally, uh, I know you have a few more questions. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I think uh, actually a lot of um, what you got, what you just discussed uh, dovetails into my question, which is uh, seniors being this sort of um, the above 50 being a misunderstood market, being a um, underappreciated market. So considering uh, marketing towards this population, you know, what are some of the things that you see that are missed by marketers who are kind of new to the field, whether that is uh, in referral networks or in sort of um, being uh, more indirect in their marketing outreach? 
Well, the key thing to marketing to older adults is to see out what everybody else is doing to market to older, older adults and figure out a way to partner. It's all about partnerships. There's no big advantage unless you really have deep pockets, a lot of money. There's no advantage to being a pioneer <laughs> and trying to create a whole new market for the older adult populations. You really have to evaluate what is everybody doing? Is there a way you can fit into an existing ecosystem? Um, and uh, uh, and then just uh, get along and, and do it that way. Which I suppose, um, I think the Amazon effect is a big one that you have to watch out for when you uh, consider how to fit into an uh, existing ecosystem. Um, so uh, I guess uh, the last question that I have is, you know, we, we kind of talked about a broadband internet as being a government force when it comes to serving older adults. So um, besides, uh, I guess, uh, the internet, you know, what, what kind of role do you see uh, government support playing in aging services here in the United States, whether that is uh, also in technology or in other fields? Well, the government is pouring money into um, nonprofits that serve older adults. Uh, so that could be senior centers for them, um, care delivery organizations. They're really trying to ramp up their investment in the nonprofit world. Um, there's an organization called U.S. Aging, which is an association of area agencies on aging. They're all trying to figure out how to serve the older adult, given this influx of money from the U.S. government. And so we'll probably see a lot more uh, emerging in the way of services for older adults. Um, again, once the baby boomers turned, um, the oldest baby boomer turned uh, 76, um, and they have all the money and they represent this huge baby boom swell until 2030 or something like that, whatever it is. Um, everybody sees that there's this population rolling forward. That's, you know, today the oldest is 76, pretty soon the oldest is 86. And uh, so now we're going to see a lot more interest in things that mitigate frailty and uh, focus on exercise for um, seniors and, and medications and therapies and you, you know you name it. So we have a period of time in the next ten or fifteen years where there'll be a lot of emerging offerings for older adults. And um, so compared to when I started in this thirteen years ago, that was not the case. 